It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, man, I love, I love having the opportunity just to speak to you and preach to you. And I get to hang out with the teens a lot. And they're awesome and they're amazing. And, um, but it's also, it's just good corporately as a big church family, a multi-generational church, right, um, to be able to worship together. So um, just thank you for that opportunity. Uh, today's kind of a bittersweet Sunday. Uh, being the youth pastor, and we have a large list of graduates that you saw that are exiting the youth group, which is, pains me to say, but, um, but I just want to say, and we've had graduates in each service, so uh, graduates who are here, I'll tell you the same thing that I told the others, and that is I could not be more proud of you. Um, the leadership, the spiritual maturity, uh, what you guys have not only learned and how you've grown, but uh, it excites me to know how you're going to apply that how you're gonna be a demonstration of Jesus to the world around you. So before I say anything else, and in many ways this message is geared toward our graduates, but before I say anything else, I just wanna say congratulations. Can we actually give them another round of applause for our seniors? Those, those who have been leading us in worship, sorry, this is the third time you're hearing this, so buckle up. Um, but uh, hey, um, you know, something that always catches my attention about companies is their slogan, right? Uh, and good slogans, that it, it's a catchphrase. It's supposed to catch your attention, but really good companies who have a great catchphrase, it's not only catchy, but there's also a mission that moves you. So for Nike, for example, the catchphrase, the slogan, just do it, right? For Apple, we can, their slogan, their motto is think different. Uh, for Dollar Shave Club, it's shave time, shave money. Um, I, my dad is a State Farm agent, and so naturally I always think of every time I see a State Farm commercial, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So hopefully my dad can uh, help me for the endorsement I just gave him. But uh, um, Mount Vernon, I went to Mount Vernon Nazarene University, and educationally speaking, their uh, slogan is to seek to learn, is to seek to serve, which I love. Um, but branding-wise, how they kind of cast themselves is shine forth. Not shine third, not shine fifth, but shine forth is what Mount Vernon, and I know a lot of our students are going to Mount Vernon, and that will be your motto. Uh, Bethany College, when they first started, their motto was, we're not the best, but we're better than most. <laughs> Which catches your attention. Um, well, today, today we have a slogan. Um, today we have a saying, and actually John is the one who gives us this saying, and that saying is love illuminated. It kind of sounds a little bit like shine forth, but today we're going to be talking about love illuminated. And what John does a really good job of, it's not just something catchy that grabs your attention, but this slogan, if we embrace it, should move us to action which is what John's goal is for us today. So let's dive into our scripture. We're gonna be reading in 1 John, and we're gonna go ahead and jump to chapter two, talking about verses seven and eight. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. The old command is the message you have heard. Yet, I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him, being Jesus, and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Now what I love about John, and specifically these letters, um, and 1 John, what we're gonna be talking about is, now John, it, 
he wrote the gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So that's the author we're talking about. But this letter was actually written specifically for you and for me. And I like that about this letter because even more so than other letters, like Paul writing Ephesians was written to the church in Ephesus, and we can apply it to our church, and we learn things from that, and in a way we absorb it as our message. But John is very specifically writing to Christians. And so this is what's called a circulatory letter, meaning that you read it, you absorb it, you learn it, you're encouraged, you're challenged, and then you pass it on to the next person. So we've, you know, fast forward a couple thousand years, 1900 years, and uh, John's message has done its job. We as believers are now reading John's message. And uh, to help us grasp this message and this slogan, uh, let me just, let me paint a picture for us real quick. So. Uh, I'm considered, I guess I fall into the category as a young millennial, generationally speaking. Um, some charts have me in my age as an old Gen Zer, but I, I usually uh, hang out and set up camp in the millennial group. And as a millennial, I, I, this is kind of a general analysis, I've started to realize I have this temptation. And this temptation is, I assume that if something is newer, then that something is better. Uh, if it is a piece of furniture, if it's information, if it's um, a car, what, whatever it is, I, I rationalize to say, okay, if it's newer because of new technology and this and that, then it, it has to be better. But as I've become much older, now in the quarter century mark of my life, um, I've started to realize, I guess, that maybe that's not always the case, right? Um, Faith and I, when we were engaged, our in-laws gave us an old wooden table. And it was built in the mid-1900s, but this table was rock solid. I mean, it was a very well-built table. It just needed some love, and we kind of finished it up a little bit, and we tightened a few screws. But I would take that table, built 70 years ago, well, let me just say it this way. We bought an, a piece of Ikea furniture last year, and uh, it's not quite holding up the same, right? The particle board. Newer doesn't always equal better. Um, something that's made a resurgence is record players is making a resurgence. And even new artists that are coming out with new music and new albums, they're making vinyls because they're realizing, hey, you don't just listen on your Alexa, the new, right? But record players now, you see those in a lot more homes as well. And those are making a resurgence. Styles. From old to new, you've seen the cycle of styles. I knew I was in trouble when my parents said, hey, I used to wear that. And I didn't, I didn't really know how to take that, you know, like, oh, cool, you know. But styles are making uh, a resurgence. And just a couple days ago, actually, Faith and I were at Cold Stone. We were sitting outside Bridgewater, and a teenage guy walked past with a mullet. How many of you guys have had a mullet? Anybody had a mullet? <laughs> One of the kids has had a mullet, that's amazing. Um, now, I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this, but you know, speaking about mullets, I don't know that all old styles are better than new, but we'll just, we'll just leave that at that. I probably offended somebody there. Um, the category that I struggle with the most, though, is definitely information. I assume that if it's published in 2020, then clearly it's the new, the greatest, the latest, the best information. This is what I'm going to need to read in order to move forward in my thinking, in my education, in my spiritual walk. Until I read a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, 
who was a pastor, a theologian, and he uh, played a big, a vital role in um, the plot against Hitler. Um, but in 1939, um, before he was placed into one of the uh, camps during Nazi, in Nazi Germany, um, he said this, and he wrote a book called Life Together, and it's talking about Christian community. And in 1939, he said this, and I just love this. Contrary to all my own opinions and convictions, Jesus Christ will tell me what love toward the brethren really is. Because spiritual love does not desire, but rather it serves. It loves an enemy as a brother. This quote is nearly 80 years old, and, and yet I often find it more profound than anything written today. 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, much older than all of that, right? But I, I want you to take a closer look at what it says. I am not writing you a new command, but an old one. We've got an old command here which you have had since the beginning. So if we want to talk about old, going back to the beginning, you can't get much older than that, right? And when it says beginning, it's not talking about the Ten Commandments here. It's talking about the beginning, the beginning. And it means the greatest commandment, to love God and to love others. And now we don't see those words show up in Genesis chapter one, but we see them displayed through God's calling, through God's invitation, through God's creation and action. We see love God and love others as the staple and the greatest commandment in the word of God. Now, John is telling his readers, don't forget the old command. Don't forget the old, don't forget the good. We need this, keep this old commandment, keep this old wood table, it's sturdy, it's firm, we need this, yet, there is a new commandment. So this is where it gets kind of confusing, right? But look at verse eight. Yet I am writing you a new command, and its truth is seen in him, Jesus, and in you. So we don't want to forget the old, we don't want to forget the great, we don't want to forget the foundation, the framework, everything that has been laid. This is important, this is good, this is what we need, yet we have a new. So what's this new? Well, how, how do we understand this? Well, let's go back to the, to the wood table. When Faith and I received the old wood table, it needed a little bit of work. It needed a little bit of love. So we sanded the table, we stained it, uh, we sealed it, we tightened a few screws on it, right? And that table was as good as new. It was better than any other piece of furniture that we had at the time. This is kind of what John is talking about. We have this old that we need, this old commandment to love God, to love others, but then something new, at least to the people, enters into the picture, and it's, it's Jesus. And what Jesus does in his life and in his ministry is he freshens, he brightens up the new commandment by not just keeping a commandment, but by living it. He is love illuminated to the people around him. So here's our slogan for today. I'm gonna to put it all in kind of a picture here because we have the old and we have the new, but we need it all in order to pursue what Jesus is calling and what John is calling us to do, and that is love God, we love others, and it's love illuminated. So that's our slogan for today. And to explain this love illuminated, it just means it's a love for everybody to see. 
Here's my question for us today, and, and we gotta ask this if we uh, wanna take this theme and take this slogan and we wanna get from point A to point B that we wanna get from the old commandment to the new commandment. Here's the question we need to know. How do we, how do we take what we know and apply it to who we wanna be so that we can live this out? How do we take this old table so that it's nice and refinished and refurbished and it is set, set for generations? Let's take a look at 1 John chapter 2, and this is going to be our main text for today. This is kind of part one of this series. We've got our theme set up, so let's look at what John is asking us to do to start heading down that path. He says this, as for you, see what that you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, it's, it's not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Just as it has taught you, remain in him. Uh, in 2008, so about 12 years ago, uh, Andy Stanley wrote a book called The Principle of the Path. And in this book, he attempts to take his readers from where they are, and he talks about how to get from where you are to where you want to be. That's the whole premise of the book. And in the book, he talks about a few different ways that this occurs. If you're a 12-year-old, which is where you are, and you're excited about being a 13-year-old, where you want to be, without much effort, you're probably gonna get there, right? That you're naturally gonna be where you wanna be. Or if you're getting your driver's license, you're getting ready to turn 16, other than taking some classes, what you need to do, you're gonna probably get from where you are to where you wanna be. But he also focuses most of his talks on the things that require our effort, the things that require our focus, the things that require our tension. Basically, we're not gonna get from point A to point B unless we do specific things to stay on the path. And this is the principle of the path. So this could be, I think of the 12-year journey, right, of you going through school so that you can graduate high school. That is absolutely from where you are to where you wanna be, and now it, maybe you're looking into college now and the four years it takes potentially to get through college. Maybe for you, the where you want to be is retirement. Well, that's not gonna happen by accident, right? There's certain things you have to do to get there as you head down that path. Maybe you're thinking about a promotion in your job. Uh, when I think about this, there's clearly one person that comes to mind, and that is Michael Jordan. Uh, recently watching The Last Dance, I didn't grow up in the Jordan area, so forgive me, um, but with Michael Jordan, when he set his mind on something, from where he was to where he wanted to go, he did not waver. He was laser focused. If he wanted to win a championship, guess what? It happened. And you see that in his demeanor and his focus and the way that he approaches the game of basketball. He got from where he wanted to, from where he was to where he wanted to be, and he stayed the path, even while he was making Space Jam that summer. But the whole idea of Andy's book, it revolves around a central problem, and it's the same problem that you and I have today, I think. And that is, okay, we, we see where we wanna go. We've got this clear picture of who we wanna be and where we wanna go. But then five years down the road, we kind of, we look around, and we realize we're not 
where our destination thought it would take us. We're not where we thought we would be. And we wonder, how in the world did I get here? I was supposed to be here. I was supposed to be doing this by now. I was supposed to have a promotion by now. I was supposed to. And we're not where we thought we would be. My assumption is we can all relate with this problem in some way or another. But here's what Andy Stanley gets at in his book. He says this, if you want to get from where you are to where you want to be, then you need to stay on the path that will take you there. Now that doesn't sound radical, that doesn't sound profound, and yes, Andy wrote a whole book to say that, but here's why I think this is actually the same message that John has for you and I. Because if we wanna advance in our faith, if we wanna deepen our relationship with Jesus, if we wanna grow in our relationship with God, if at the end of 2020, you know, where we're now in our relationship with Jesus, if at the end of 2020, we wanna be somewhere different, we wanna be strengthened in our faith and grow in our relationship with God, then we have to stay on the path that will take us there. And it makes sense, but what John says in light of our spiritual destination, here's how he phrases it. And it's the last three words of verse 27 that we remain in Jesus, that we remain in Jesus. Listen to verse 24 again. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Father. Verse 27, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is not real, or is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. So here's the message for us that John wants us to start with. This is step one on what it looks like to take what we have, this old commandment, this love God, love others, and to begin working toward what it looks like to have a love illuminated for everybody to see. Step one for us is to remain in Jesus, that if we wanna move forward with Jesus, propelled down the path toward a love illuminated life, which is our slogan for the day, then we need to remain in Jesus. We move forward in Jesus when we remain in Jesus. I'm gonna be honest, um, when I was preparing for this message, the last couple weeks just thinking about this, I was underwhelmed at where this message was taking me. You know, uh, I can just recall my hermeneutics class, and which is how to preach and how to speak and how to communicate. You know, something they, they drill into you is to capture your audience's attention, to have a punchline, to have a creative point that will uh, effectively uh, communicate to your audience. In, in a way, have a slogan, right? And what I was struggling with in this message is after I stepped away from it and writing the message and then I stepped back into it, I read it and I said, wow, that, it, it feels underwhelming what I'm trying to communicate today. I mean, I'm gonna be speaking to people who probably already go to church, who already have a faith in Jesus, and what I'm gonna tell them is something that they already know, which is to remain in Jesus. And as I talked to Pastor Alex about this and I kinda shared the struggle, just, I don't, that just doesn't feel powerful enough, right? And he said, why does it have to be powerful to be true? You don't have to have the most creative thing, as John is showing us, for it to be the most valuable thing. 
And I think the most valuable thing for us, especially right now, is we need to remain in Jesus. Um, graduates, whether you're listening online or here today, um, there's going to be a lot of things that want to grab your attention. There's going to be a lot of paths that want to distract you and take you off course. There's going to be a lot of things that influence you to turn the other way. But if you want to grow in your faith, which as your youth pastor, you've proven that that's true based on your commitment to God's kingdom and this relationship. If you want to grow in your faith from where you are now to where you want to be, if I'm going to be honest, the best advice I think I can give you is what John says. That's to remain in Jesus. Over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to take a deeper look into what John wants for us and what this love illuminated life is going to look like for us. But before we do that, I, I felt like this conversation needed to happen, that we cannot get from where we are to where we want to be. And I know all of us want to be, and many of us are, right, a living demonstration of Jesus's love. This is love illuminated, that we don't just keep the old commandments, but we live this commandment. And that's what Jesus is inviting us into. But if we want to take what we know and apply it to who we become, the first and most important thing we have to do is we have to remain in Jesus. We have to abide in Jesus. Um, the band is going to come up at this time, and I, I have two more thoughts for you. Because I could tell you, hey, remain in Jesus, go from this place, remain in Jesus. And I think that's great, and I think, I believe that's the message that I was supposed to explain today, that John wanted to be communicated today. But I do want to close with these two thoughts. The first one is, choose the right path. Choose the right path. Sometimes I wonder, Jordan, if anybody was successful in their career and the path that they chose, it was Michael Jordan. When he looks back, is, is, is that what he's thankful for? That that's the path that he took? Um, I, I remember a business story, a story about a businessman. He had a startup business, which is where he was, and where he wanted to be was the most successful business person within that field and selling that product. So his goal was to go from startup company to being the best in the world. And so he climbed that mountain, he focused on that path, he went down that path, he paid attention. Every day he committed himself that direction. And then he gets to the top of the mountain of his business world because he was committed, he was on target. He followed the principle of the path, and when he gets to the top of the mountain, he looks around at everything around him as far as the eye can see, and he notices one thing about his mountain. He climbed the wrong mountain. Choose the right path. The second thing I think that's important for us to remember is this, that after we choose the right path, which hopefully for you, for me and for us, it's to love God and love others. Then we need to follow it every day. Follow it every day. Andy Stanley says, what gets your attention determines your direction. What gets your attention determines your direction. Um, when I think of this, I think of golf naturally uh, being my favorite sport. And when I was younger, 
and I would go to a hole or a par three and there's water before I get to the green, all I could think about was the water. Oh, I gotta get over the water. I gotta get past it. What club do I need to make sure I get over the water? And because I was so focused on the water, nine times out of 10, I'd step up to the tee and I would hit it into the water because I was thinking about the water. But what's interesting, if, if that water was taken away and if it was just grass, same hole, I wouldn't think anything about it. I'd be thinking about the green. And so once I realized, Oh my goodness, what I visualize and what I think about, what gets my attention, which hopefully is the green in this situation, that's where I'm going to hit it. But the reason this is so hard and the reason Pastor Dale has such a successful used golf ball business, right, is because people focus too much on the water, on the distraction, on what's in the way of what's gonna get them off their path. We need to be focused on the green. What gets your attention determines your direction. And so I guess my question for us is, is God getting your attention every day? Because if we wanna be a love illumination for those around us, loving God, loving others, we need to remain in Jesus. And while that doesn't sound profound, I think it's the most radical thing that you and I can do and that Jesus is inviting us into. So this is step number one, remain in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be together. Um, Lord, I pray that as we consider what you have spoken to us today and reminded us today in 1 John, God, I pray that you would take the old commandment that we know, love God and love others, and that you would begin helping us to apply it to our life, that we would be laser focused down the path that you have called us to. And there's so many ponds and puddles and bottles of water, bodies of water that we want to look at, that get our attention, that distract us, that make us lose focus from the green. But God, I pray that we would help keep our eyes on the prize. Keep our eyes on your kingdom. Keep our eyes on your love so that we can follow the path that you have laid out for us, Jesus. God, we love you. Thank you for being a God who walks with us down this path. We are not alone, but you are with us. And we thank you and praise you for that. And through all of this, I pray that we would be love illuminated to a world that needs it. We love you, Jesus. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.